Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. There's nobody better covering University of Washington football than our next guest, Christian Capel. Pacific Northwest kid who uh, whose uncle, Jim Capel, you may have may remember Jim Capel, ESPN.com, Seattle PI, baseball writer. Really interesting, right? Like, I, like, there are very, like, okay, when I go back and I think about the writers that I really remember, like, there's just a few that you really remember and you read everything that they ever wrote. And Jim Capel was one of those guys. And he passed away this week. And he happens to be Christian's uncle. And if you haven't read the piece that I tweeted out today, it's such a tribute to his uncle. And it might be the best damn thing you'll read all week. Uh, and he did not paywall it on Montlake.com if you want to see his website. But Christian Capel joining us. Really nice job in paying a tribute to your uncle, Christian. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate hearing the, the kind words about Jim and his career. And, I mean, it's it's been pretty amazing. Um, I just was talking to my aunt, his wife, Vicki, briefly today and saying, you know, it's something to see so many people remember him exactly the way that we saw him, you know, and just that the joy that he had for, for baseball, for sports, for people, for traveling. I mean, he was just so curious. And like you said, he, he was always going to write something different. You know, he could attend the same event or press conference or whatever as a hundred other people. And he was going to have something, he was going to have some idea, some weird angle, something funny that, that you never would have thought of. Um, and gosh, all the, all the events he covered around the world and, and the world series and the Olympics and all the participatory stuff, you know, he'd, he'd see stuff and just say, yeah, I'll try this. Sure. And I'll write about it. And, yeah, there was just um, there was just nobody like him, you know. Been been missing his writing for a while. Uh, of course, he, um, he he battled some illness in the last couple of years of his life, and um, it's uh, it's it's good to to spend these couple of days remembering. You did a hell of a job writing about him and capturing him and his work and really what he meant to you. And you you in your opening couple of paragraphs, you talk about dementia taking his mind and ALS taking his body and. And then you just spend like you know what felt like seven thousand words, uh, you know that I never wanted to end. It was one of those stories, Christian. And you know you've read stuff like this where, with every paragraph, you see another paragraph coming, and you're glad it's not ending. That's how I felt in reading what you wrote today. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's I was I was talking to some people kind of while I was putting it together and talking to my aunt too, just about like I don't know what oh right like it's we all have to make those decisions when you've got more interesting stuff than you have room for in a story and you know when it's somebody's life and and obviously so personal and everything it's it's hard to leave anything out i'm sure i'll be um i'll be remembering things and kicking myself like ah i could have i could have got that one in there i forgot about that one no he was so rich and, and you wrote later in the piece about going to cover a game and realizing how special that was that you and your uncle are covering the same game. You're in the same locker room in the same press box, you know, and you're, you're kind of looking down the way realizing that, you know, this, you wouldn't be there if it weren't for his influence. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, and he he always treated me, you know, like um, like a colleague who had earned his respect. You know, and he didn't need. He wasn't ever going to treat anybody like they needed to earn his respect, right? I mean, he just treated everybody the same. And even when I was starting out and young and probably making a bunch of mistakes and um, all, all that kind of stuff, you know, he was always so encouraging and um, just so inclusive and, you know, wanted wanted everybody to be in on everything and, and wanted people to wanted to take people along with him to where he was going and tell people about how great all these things were that he was experiencing. And, yeah, I mean, getting to the point where – being in the same press box as him and kind of talking to the same people and doing the same job was, was just normal and, you know, just might, might happen on any given day. Um, probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have in the moment, but it was special. I didn't know that he attended the University of Washington. And, you know, the football team got pretty good in the last two seasons. But, I you know, I gather from your writing that, he wasn't all that tuned in to Washington football in the last couple seasons. He wasn't, no. And not really football in general. Um, he he kind of grew more and more turned off by football as he got older. I always said he loved the University of Washington more than he actually liked football. You know, he had mm. he was such a baseball guy and a people guy. And, you know, he had a blast as a student at Washington going to games and covering the team for the student newspaper. And, um, you know, they – finished number two in the country and won an Orange Bowl in, in 1984 when he was there. And I think he was there the year that the, the wave was supposedly invented at Husky Stadium. And so he was, you know, kind of this really interesting time to be at the University of Washington. And um, I know he, man, I, I know everybody loves, loves college and looks back fondly on their college experience. I don't know anybody who loved college more than Jim loved college. He talked about it all the time. He wrote about it all the time. He's, you know, some of his 5, 10, 15, I don't know, best friends in the world he, he went to school with at UW. So um, he, he always remembered that fondly for sure. Christian Capel with us on Montlake.com is the website. He covers the University of Washington uh, athletics, football in particular. Uh, bye week this week, then Oregon next week. Is it too soon to start talking about this game? Oh, no way. I mean, that's what it's for, right? That's why... Uh, I assume, right, that the Pac-12 wanted to give both these teams a bye week ahead of this, this great rivalry game, allow them to be as healthy as possible, spend a couple weeks speculating. And, you know, it wasn't too difficult to look at both of their schedules before the season and, and get to 5-0 and on, on both sides uh, coming into that game. And, and that's, you know, the teams are taking care of business, and that's where they are. So um, it's I think it's awesome. I think it's fun. Um, this game I don't think has ever gotten enough attention nationally for how great of a rivalry it is and some of that is the fault of the respective teams mostly washington when you talk about the last you know 20 or so years it it hasn't you know was a very long stretch there where it wasn't competitive but um this is shaped out to be i think the first top 10 matchup between these teams ever so hey that's a, that's another new wrinkle and there's there's national relevance so it should be really fun what is this this matchup about in your eyes washington oregon offense defense what's the key to what key to this matchup yeah i think it's it's primarily washington proving that it can be more physical in the trenches than it was the last year in eugene um i think oregon had 590 yards in that game um kind of ran the ball at will uh, we're really close to to icing it after a you know long methodical drive just bashing it between the tackles and 
you know, I don't think Washington can let it be that kind of game. I don't think I like Washington's chances in that type of game. Um, so I, I think it's just proving that some of the defensive improvements you've seen through the first five weeks are, are real and are uh, are going to show up against you know elite, high caliber opponents and um, you know limiting limiting Oregon to those big gashing runs that they enjoyed for for much of last year's game. Michael Penix Jr. More or less pressure on him this season. Yeah, I mean, more in some ways, but less in some others. I think last year, you know, there's not not as many national eyeballs on him. People have kind of forgotten about him a little bit because of the injuries, but I'm sure he felt some degree of pressure to, to prove that, you know, that, that wasn't him. He can stay healthy for a full year, and that when he's healthy for a full year, he's still that guy, right? That guy that people remember against Penn State and Ohio State and early on in his career and all those things. You know, I definitely a lot more attention on him this year, more hype, more buzz. I don't know that he's the type of guy who really sees that or feels that a lot. He's he's pretty um, pretty football-oriented, pretty goal-oriented. He, he uh, doesn't, doesn't rattle easily. He's a pretty calm customer that way. So um, there's I think there's more writing on him this year just because expectations were so much higher for the team and everybody knows what it means if something were to happen to him or if he didn't perform up to standard. So um, I think on paper there's there's more pressure on him this year just because of how good Washington believes it is, and, and that's a good thing, and it's the kind of pressure you want. But um, I, I just I don't know that he's the type to necessarily be affected by that either way, at least not yet. Give me an idea how different this Washington team is maybe than the team from last season that played at Autzen Stadium. Yeah, I do think they're better defensively. Um, they're healthier defensively, uh, at least I, I assume so, going into this bye week. You know, they're they're a little bit banged up in the secondary. They've been missing Asa Turner, their starting safety, and um, Devon Banks, the backup corner, is out for the season. But other than that, you know, they're in a pretty good spot. They're definitely a lot better spot than they were at this point last year. They're, they're forcing more turnovers. Um, I, I think they've got a little better team speed and there's more sound in coverage in the secondary than they were last year. So that's probably the biggest difference, but it's also still, you know, kind of like I said, a little bit of a question mark because they haven't faced an offense like Oregon's yet. And so that's, that's going to be the big test. But, you know, I think they have the potential to be a little bit better offensively. And their numbers through their first four games at least were – tailed off a little bit against Arizona, even though they were they were still pretty efficient moving the ball, but um, maybe even just a little bit more explosive and, and deeper offensively in terms of the weapons that they have at receiver. Christian Capel with us on Montlake.com. Uh, injury-wise, is there an injury update? Is there a player that Washington's hoping to get back? How healthy are the Huskies right now? Yeah, that's a little that's a little TBD. Tuli Latuli Nasanoa, their senior defensive tackle, their best defensive lineman, um, left the Arizona game with an injury. It sounds like he'll have a chance to play, but maybe not a sure thing. The bye week helps. Um, be surprised if Jalen McMillan doesn't play. They were, you know, fairly optimistic they'd have him back for Arizona, at least in terms of what they were saying publicly. And it sounds like he was pretty close. So I assume with the bye week, barring any setbacks, he'd be good to go. Um, the one guy I think people are really worried about that, that you need to keep an eye on is Romo Dunze. Um, he took a shot to look like the rib cage or somewhere around there, um, recovering that last onside kick at Arizona. And Kalen DeBoer said on Monday that his 
condition was a little bit worse than he'd expected you know, post-game. You know, we talked to the media after the game. He kind of felt like, yeah, he's fine. Sounds like it's a little more significant than that. Um, DeBoer wasn't giving any indications that, you know, it's it's the, the worst thing ever, but I think he kind of stopped short of, of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he's fine. It'll be fine. So there's at least some question about his status going forward. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. When, Oregon was at its best against Colorado. Everybody saw it. When was Washington at its best? Gosh, I'd say the first half against Michigan State. I mean, they forced Michigan State three and out. They dominated up front. Um, they shut them out in the first half. They set the tone defensively. And then basically did whatever they want offensively. Michael Penix Jr. just threw the ball over the place, and Dylan Johnson ran all over the place. And, um, you know, I think Penix had 375 yards passing in the first half, and, you know, the, the, the starters didn't play a lot after that. But, you know, I just the, going on the road, tough environment, a team that you played last year that probably, you know, is, is thinking about revenge and, and wants to show that, that that's not the team that they really are. And they really just took it to them. From, from start to finish and ended that thing at halftime and um, hard to hard to see how they could put together a half better than that one is in your mind is Oregon does Oregon look better to you Christian I have a hard time telling right now because I'm looking at opponents you know how good is Texas Tech I don't know how good is Colorado we're finding out you know and I'm looking over at Boise State and Michigan State and going, okay, how good are they? I'm still trying to figure out if these teams are just good or if one of them or both of them is great. Do you have a sense? Yeah, I mean, I do think they're in similar situations that way where the the best team that either has faced is just not up to the level of several that they're going to see here down the stretch in the Pac-12. So I think it's a little bit TBD. I, I think Oregon's better defensively. I like what they have athletically on that side of the ball. Um, it seems like they're they're a good bit stingier. You know, Colorado's offense is is not nothing, right? They got a really good quarterback and some skilled players, and they put 41 points on USC. So to shut them out for most of a game, um, that says something. So I, you know, I think I think both these these offenses at Oregon and Washington should expect to see a little bit better defense. Um, but hey, maybe the offenses are better too, and, and you'll see an even higher scoring game. Who knows? Christian Capel on Montlake.com. Great work on the tribute to your uncle. I will see you next week in Seattle at Husky Stadium for a big football game. Christian, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Great stuff there from Christian Capel. You, you know, you think about the business you're in. I don't know what business you're in, but whatever business you're in, think about the influences that led you there. And I think a lot about the movie Forrest Gump, and Christian even mentioned Forrest Gump in his piece about his uncle, and I laughed at that because there's a little bit of Forrest Gump's story in all of our stories, in that, you know, we just kind of find our way, and we're influenced by different things in the way that Forrest Gump was in that movie, and he ends up, you know, at Alabama returning kickoffs and meeting the president and, uh, you know, owning a shrimp boat, you know, and you just kind of go where your path takes you. Um, and I always I think about it a lot. And I, I think about it a lot because I know I was influenced by people. I think about it a lot because I know I have three daughters, and I kinda, I'm excited and eager to see where they end up in life, what path they take, what their influences will be.
uh, and I mean, I'm interested in that. And it was really cool to read his story about his uncle who passed away on Sunday and the influence that he was on uh, Christian Cable ending up as a sports writer. Our big splash is coming up. Bruce Barnum later in the program. By the way, Bruce Barnum is going to tell us all about grizzly bears. He texted me after the show yesterday. He might be the foremost expert on grizzly bears. Leave it here. I took you behind the scenes, literally behind the scenes of the Utah football bench last Friday night at Reeser Stadium as a uh, kid named Logan Fano tore his ACL. Uh, I'll talk about it with Anna when she pops into the studio later. But if you haven't had a chance to read it, you might check that out at johnconzano.com. Aaron Rodgers, he had an injury, right? He had the uh, ruptured Achilles tender, tendon. He has a uh, grueling rehab ahead of him. And uh, he's talking about hyperbaric chambers and tourniquets and darkness retreats. No, he's not. And lots of rehab work. Uh, Aaron Rodgers attacking his rehab. Wants to return this season. I find that interesting. Uh, Jerry Jones speaking out. How about Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones says the road to the Super Bowl runs through San Francisco. I, I like that. I like that he's saying that. I think it's true. But Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys will figure out where they stack up against the 49ers. The road to the Super Bowl. Does the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC run through San Francisco? Or does it run through Philadelphia? Is that disrespectful, Stephen, to the Philadelphia Eagles? I think it's a little disrespectful because uh, you know the Eagles haven't done anything wrong this year. They're undefeated, John. So I feel like uh, it's a little disrespectful to say, you know what, uh, Jalen Hurts, what you did last year means nothing. Uh, 49ers were better. How about in the AFC? The road to the Super Bowl runs through? <sighs> I mean, it's got to be the Chiefs. Like, yeah. Even though they haven't looked at their best, I feel like they're always going to be there with Patrick Mahomes, right? They're they're opportunistic. They, in the minute they need to turn it on, they will. They runs through there. How about the road to the Pac-12 championship runs through Seattle next week? I would agree. I I was going to ask you that. Do you think uh, the winner of that game is going to the Pac-12 title game? I think the winner's getting in. I and I don't think that the loser is eliminated. Right. I think people keep saying it's an elimination game. I don't think it's an elimination game. Because I think a one-loss team is going to get to Vegas. And I think, you know, who knows if they'll both be undefeated. But I think at least one of the teams that plays in Vegas for the conference championship is going to have a loss. Is, is it an elimination game from the college football playoff, though? No. One-loss conference champion gets in. Okay. You know, one lo- if you're a Power 5 conference champion with one loss, you're getting in. Especially with the, the reputation the Pac-12 yeah, has this year. Absolutely. The reputation. And, and look... I think it's kind of silly, too, because the Pac-12, yeah, it won some games. It hasn't played the best teams in the other conferences, but it looks really good. It's got great quarterbacks. And, and you know, Washington beating Michigan State, Oregon beating Texas Tech does not make you the best conference in America, but you got some good wins, got some highly ranked teams, and then now they will validate. They'll do what the SEC and the Big Ten have always done. They will validate each other by somebody winning the conference championship, and then we'll find out in the playoff, really, were they really that good? And I'm eager to see if Washington is better. Because I thought Washington was playing the best football down the stretch last season. And at Autzen Stadium, I think if Bo Nix stays healthy, I think Oregon actually wins that game. But he did not stay healthy. It derailed Oregon's season. I'm really curious to see 
how much alacrity the Ducks show up with. Do they show up flying around, very focused, locked in like they were against Colorado at home last, what, two weeks, two weekends ago? And, or do they show up kind of um, distracted and maybe a little clunky like they did against Texas Tech? Do they show up uh, you know, asleep like they were against Stanford in the first half? Hell, they were down 6 nothing, scored 42 unanswered against Stanford. So I'm I'm I kind of leaning towards Oregon showing up with its best effort because they've shown us when the opponent is there, when the stage is there, and it the opponent's there and the stage is there. 12:30 kickoff, national TV. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.